We haven't even cracked two weeks into 2022, but it may already feel like more. It's possible that while masked and gazing out of the window, you swore to yourself that you were going to get out of the house more, put the donuts down, or dust off that instrument that's been sitting in the corner. Congratulations, you made New Year's resolutions, and you're not alone. According to an Economist YouGov poll, one in four Americans will have made some sort of goal for themselves this year. Surprisingly, they don't overwhelmingly focus on health. And perhaps no surprise, more than half of the polled adults under 30 chose not to commit to committing to any limitations. From New England Public Media, this is And Another Thing. I'm Derek Kennedy. And I'm Maya Schwader. Today, we're talking about New Year's resolutions, starting with a look at the goals of our political leaders, It's an election year, so there will be a lot to watch for. Lindsay Sabadosa is a state representative from Northampton. She said her top priority for 2022 is the same as several of her Western Massachusetts colleagues on Beacon Hill. One of the things that I'm going to be keeping my eye on is to make sure that whoever is in the new administration is someone who's really supportive of increasing transportation to Western Massachusetts. We're really trying to figure out how do you expand rail in Western Massachusetts, but also make sure that we have people who who manage that for us, who get government grants, who look out for, for different opportunities for funding, both on the state and national level. That is going to be a priority moving forward because we simply can't expand and add rail service if we don't have someone in charge of it. How is the much mythologized East-West rail coming along? Could this finally be the year? It's not going to be the year where we build the railroad and all of a sudden lots of trains are going to run. Could this be the year that we start running trains on existing track more frequently? Yes. Could this be the year that money comes into the state that is allocated to go forward with the construction of a a better track that could have a higher speed train that travels more frequently. Yes, all of those things can happen. All signs point to both a a federal government and an administration that is is interested in doing East-West Rail, and we certainly have the legislative support in Western Massachusetts. Let's turn to some of your other legislative priorities that you've been working on. You have talked a lot about climate change, how it is such an important issue that we're dealing with. What action are you planning to take this year for Western Massachusetts in your delegation? What can you preview for us? Has spent a lot of time focused on offshore wind, which is a great investment for the Commonwealth. I think that for Western Massachusetts, though, we know that wind is really not the answer for us. So it is going to be more solar and you're going to see a lot of conversations around proper solar siting. And then really boosting the infrastructure in Western Massachusetts in order to accommodate renewable energy. It's really not enough for people to just put solar on their homes. You have to have the infrastructure. All of that needs a massive upgrade if we're really going to transition to renewable energy, which I hear from my constituents daily is their absolute goal. You have another legislative priority that you've been very outspoken about, and that is reproductive health care. Do you believe that that could get some traction this year? I do. I am the lead sponsor of actually two reproductive health care bills that I'm really passionate about. One is a bill that would require medication abortions on public college campuses. And we have spent a lot of time talking to legislators and people around the state about this bill. Really, the drive for it is how far most campuses are from clinics. And earlier this session, we did something. We, we staged what we called repro rides and we got on the bus 
at UMass Amherst, at Framingham State, and other campuses across the Commonwealth. And we went to the nearest clinic. In my case, it took about five hours round trip to do that. You know, the point of the bill is that medication abortion is super, super safe. It should be easily accessible to students. We've had a pretty big win recently with UMass Amherst agreeing to provide medication abortion on campus starting in the fall. But the bill is still really necessary because it provides funding. What is your overall wish or hope of how things will be different for your community in Western Massachusetts this year? I think if you ask every legislator, they're probably going to say they hope their community is healthier. I hope our our kids feel safer going to school. I hope that people feel safer going to work. I hope that people have testing and access to vaccines. And I was touring Cooley Dickinson Hospital yesterday, and we're just seeing so many people being hospitalized with COVID. And probably about 98% of those people are unvaccinated. So I am hoping that this new year brings a renewed push for regular testing, vaccinations, and people just sort of being able to have a new normal that will, I think, um, make us all feel a little more human again. Are you hoping that a new administration might come in and have some different policies or different priorities when it comes to the pandemic than the way the Baker administration handled things? What I would like to see is an administration that is a little more proactive. What I feel like happens with the Baker administration is that they see something happen and then they respond. I would like to see an administration that does a little bit more sitting down and and saying, if this happens, how are we going to respond rather than this has already happened? What are we going to do? That is my greatest wish moving forward. And lastly, for yourself, if I may ask, do you have any New Year's resolutions or goals that you're working on now? Yes, I am trying to budget my time a little more wisely. This is a job where you could absolutely just work 24 hours a day. So I'm trying to be a little more consistent about all emails are answered, paperwork is done at this time, just so that I have a little bit more balance in my life and more organization. I'm not particularly successful at the resolution thus far, but there's still 11 more months to uh, to get better at it. State Representative Lindsay Sabadosa represents the 1st Hampshire District of Northampton. Thank you so much for chatting with us and have a happy new year. Thank you. You as well. January is traditionally a month where gym memberships soar, but according to Axios and the blog Pacer.ai, fitness contracts last year were down 30% from 2019. We spoke with Nadia Bodouin, co-owner of the Common Ground Fitness Center in Greenfield, Massachusetts, about fitness goals that happen around this time of year. When the new year rolls around, once people have gotten over all of their holiday cheer and their New Year's celebrations, we definitely see an influx of people coming into the gym, um, purchasing memberships, getting their, themselves going on an exercise program. People are getting into the classes as well. We see definitely that our attendance starts to go up with that. And then we also get more inquiries and people who are interested in personal training. People are motivated to get going on an exercise program. They come in, they get their memberships. And this is the time of year that people make those resolutions um, to get back into an exercise program. And there's definitely people who they have never worked out their entire lives, but 
um, they they want to get healthier. They want to get more fit, especially in this world that we live in now where things are so different. And for a while, gyms had been closed or at reduced capacities and a little more limited. And people in an attempt to, you know, get their workouts done at home and, and try some different things, you know, and, and for some people it works and for other people, they really need that place to go to and they need either classes or personal training to help keep them accountable. Due to COVID, Bowden says the spike in customers has been smaller than she's seen in previous years, but she has noticed more interest. She explains that it's common for folks to buy themselves a membership in January and forget about it by February. People do have really good intentions of getting started, and they do, and they come in guns blazing, and they work out really hard, and there's a couple of different things that tend to happen. Either people come in, they're feeling really good, they hit it hard, and then they are so sore or just so tired and fatigued because they push further than what they should have, and then find themselves um, you know, taking days off afterwards. And then once you start doing that, it's really hard to get started back up again. And um, once you create that routine and that habit and you start feeling good, you start getting healthier. And depending on what your goal is, whether it's weight loss or just, you know, getting stronger or more fit or just feeling more confident, once you start getting those results that you're looking for, that's what keeps you motivated to keep going. Um, so I think you know, really starting off with those baby steps, make putting it into your schedule, making it routine, that's what's going to keep you coming back time and time again. And keeping people motivated to exercise, Boduin says, is what her job is all about. Studies suggest that the majority of Americans will not keep their New Year's resolutions. After the break, a psychologist explains how you can best stick to your plans. You're listening to And Another Thing. Stay with us. You're listening to And Another Thing. We're discussing New Year's resolutions, why we make them, do we keep them, and have they changed in the shadow of COVID? I'm Dara Kennedy. I'm Maya Schwader. Whatever your New Year's resolution might have been, finally learn a language or pick up a new hobby, it can take serious commitment. And as we've heard before the break, that can be difficult. Changing your behavior is really hard. That's Springfield College professor of psychology, Judy Van Ralt who says your success might depend on setting the right goals. People do things that feel good, that fit their schedules, that make sense at the time. And it takes a good bit of mental energy and effort to change what you're already doing. And I think people tend to underestimate how hard it is to change. It looks so easy when other people do things. You're like, oh, that looks foolish. Why don't you stop doing that? And so... Because we underestimate how difficult it is to change, we sometimes don't have the resources or the things we need to make these behavior changes stick, to really stick with our New Year's resolutions. We live in an age now where it's very common for people to display their accomplishments on social media or on the internet in other ways. Do you see that at all having 
kind of a, a positive effect on people wanting to maintain their resolutions? Or does it just kind of increase the, the guilt of, oh, I couldn't stick with this? Oh, s- such a great question. And the answer is yes. So for some people, and actually for a lot of people, social support is really helpful. So if you have trouble with alcohol, one of the programs that's really successful is Alcoholics Anonymous, where people help each other. Doesn't help everybody, but it helps a lot of people. Sharing publicly, making a publicly stated goal can be great. For other people, it's a way of showing their failures or reminding themselves of what they didn't accomplish. And so if you're the kind of person where putting it out there is gonna make you feel more bad about it later, then don't share it on social media. That's not for you. And so you really tapped into an important issue, which is how do we customize this kind of New Year's resolution or behavior change goals that we have so that they'll work well for us? So how does one customize it? How does one get to know oneself well enough to know that I'm not going to be able to fully quit smoking, but maybe I could cut down to, you know, three cigarettes a day. Maybe that's an attainable goal. So this is an interesting finding, and it's sort of the positive of setting a New Year's resolution and failing. Because if you set a resolution and you don't meet it, then you learn something. Doing it that way wasn't for me. So for some people, little by little, you know, I'm going to just, if I walk two steps today, that's great. They're tiny habits. I do a little bit. That's good for me. There's other people, they're the cold turkey people, and they're like, ah, throwing away my cigarettes and I'm never smoking again. And they're able to do that. If you try it and it doesn't work for you, then you can try another strategy or approach next time. And the more times you try, the more likely you are to get there. So just to give you some statistics, of the people who smoke, 70% of them want to quit smoking 62% of people who have smoked have quit. But at any given time, when they try, only about 8 to 10% actually do it. They need to try again and again until they hit. And so if you give up the first time when it doesn't work for you and think it can never happen, you'll probably be right. But if you try and fail and see that as a step on your journey, you're more likely to reach your goals. Do you have your top number one piece of advice to someone who is thinking about going to the gym, trying to read a little bit more? What is in your expertise the best way to stick with this? So I still am going to hang with my come up with a strategy that's best for you. So I'm going to share a couple of them that people use. One is little habits. You tie things together. So if you're trying to do more exercise and the gym is too hard for you, maybe, and you brush your teeth every day, I hope you do, then maybe you do five jumping jacks, brush your teeth and do five more. So you start doing exercise. There's some people who really struggle with getting started. So then you might say one is enough. And if I want to do more, I can. Um, Another one of getting started as hard is to make it really easy. So park, if you're in a parking lot, park a little further away. And then you've got exercise walking there and back. Plus parking is easy. You can always find your car. And then if you're not sure with goal setting, you might set your goals and then reflect on 
What are the obstacles for you? What's going to prevent you from being successful? And then come up with a plan for those things. Plan for it. Make it easy for yourself to succeed. Imagine that you'll have setbacks. What are you going to do to recover? Are you going to eat the whole cake? Or are you going to just say, okay, that happened. I'm back on it. And um, if you're a person who likes rewards, include some. So maybe you do something successful. You post it on your social media. You get a new fun outfit to wear to the gym if going to the gym is hard. My goals are often like I have a to-do list and it's like, wake up, you know, and I'm like, awesome. All right. Like I just have low enough standards and then I feel great, but it doesn't prevent me from doing hard things, but it's helpful. Like, you know, you feel like you're on a roll then. The secret to happiness, have low standards. (laughs) And if they're not low enough, just lower them. Yeah. The bar is on the floor. (laughs) You got it. Judy Van Ralt is a professor of psychology at Springfield College and the director of the Athletic Counseling Master's Degree Program there. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was delightful to talk with you. Setting goals and pushing ourselves to commitment can help with our personal improvement and happiness. That is all internal and somewhat mental, but what happens when it comes to actually making concrete plans, like traveling, going to concerts, co-mingling with other humans, outside? With COVID still in the air, some people struggle with how to move forward. Jessica Collins, Executive Director of the Public Health Institute of Western Massachusetts, weighs in on this dynamic. There's New Year's resolution and then there's making plans in the new year, which are two, you know, similar but but different aspects of one's life. Given where things are right now with this pandemic that is almost two years old, how futile or how hopeful are you about people's ability to make plans this year? Well, I understand from people who are infectious disease you know, experts in the healthcare system that they really feel as though January is going to be sort of a peak. And then they do anticipate things dropping off. And a lot, I think of that is because they're watching the rest of the world, case in point, South Africa. So for making plans later on, late winter, early spring, I think people should feel hopeful. And the more we can continue to get people vaccinated and boosted, the more we continue to practice the same exact prevention steps of washing hands, wearing a mask, and socially distancing, I think that we can be hopeful that we can make plans and get together with loved ones throughout 2022. So to be clear, when you see when when you say a peak in COVID-19, does that mean specifically the Omicron variant or do you think that this could be finally, maybe actually looking at the tail end of the pandemic? Well, I am not an infectious disease specialist. What experts are saying is when they look at other countries, there's clearly been a peak in the Omicron And then there's been a leveling off. And so I think that is what people are hopeful for. My sense is these viruses will live amongst us for 
here on out. In your work at the Public Health Institute, you do a lot of community engagement. Do you imagine you might be able to go back to having some events, being able to be out in the community in the way that you were before March of 2020? I think so. I think, you know, like I said, late winter, springtime, uh, we, we're hopeful that we can start doing events again in the spring and summer, maybe start doing more outside as we were doing last year. Again, watching vaccine and booster <laughs> statistics, I think that will determine in communities whether people are going to feel comfortable or not. And right now, several of the communities that we work in are still hovering, you know, in the in the low 60 percent. And so we really hope that that will go up. You said that these viruses are just going to be a part of our lives now. Does that mean in any future plans that people make, people should be planning to ask for people to wear masks, ask for people to socially distance, ask to make sure that people are staying healthy, maintaining their health, rather than just saying, yeah, come over anytime? Um, well, I think, of course, if people want to ask those questions, they absolutely should. And I think that from what I observe, there are social norms being created right now. Uh, where people are asking those questions or are saying, would, would people be willing to take a rapid test, for example, before we all get together? Or, listen, I have to get on a plane in two days. Would you mind masking up and let's sit on your, you know, your front porch as opposed to sitting in your living room? I think those social norms are happening now and they will probably continue to happen um, as people become more comfortable uh, saying things outright like that to each other. Lastly, if I may ask, do you have any plans in the new year that you're uh, hoping you're going to be able to keep? Um, I do. I am hoping to be able to uh, have a 50th birthday party in the spring. And, and I'm looking forward to being with uh, friends and family and really making that happen. So I am making that plan and Hopefully, we'll be able to see it through. <laughs> Jessica Collins is the executive director of the Public Health Institute of Western Massachusetts. Thanks for being with us, and Happy New Year. Thank you. You too. Feel free to join our conversation and find more episodes of And Another Thing on our page at NEPM.org or join in on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at AAT on NEPM. I'm Maya Schwader. Join us tomorrow for a look at abortion laws in our region and why they may be a bit confusing. Thanks for listening to And Another Thing. I'm Dara Kennedy. Have a great night.